0: Tonight is our last night here in Mexico. Bert will go back to Brazil, and we will go back to Colorado. Leaving Roberta will be very hard for me because I love her. I miss her. Seeing him cry, I hope that when we go home, that he'll still be happy with us in Colorado. to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry, Seeking Sister Wife Edition. Um, Let's talk about a couple things that I asked you guys and you guys came out in droves with the answers. Um, I first of all requested you guys to tell me who does Colton sound like and overwhelmingly the answer was Kermit. I see you, I hear you, I acknowledge it, and I fully agree, but there was one of you who said that he sounds like Kip, the brother from Napoleon Dynamite, and I, that is the one. That's the one that I was thinking. It's a certain, like, there is, like, the Kermit oddness to his voice, but the depth, there's, like, a softness to Kip's act, voice or accent or whatever that really, I think, is what I was thinking of. So, shout out to you guys. Thank you so much for your answers. Um, also, a couple of you guys told me, what is the deal with Sophie's mom's teeth situation? And a few of you told me that apparently she had an accident on a trampoline, and that's how she lost her her teeth. Now, my question was, is that how she lost all of them but five? And apparently that is the truth. Um listen you know what no I'm not gonna go there <laughs> I'm not gonna do it I'm not gonna do it how has she not like had somebody reach out to her to like help her get some dentures or something I you know I don't know what the situation is but it feels like as even a just like a marginal side character on TLC somebody should be able to help her maybe she doesn't want the help you know maybe she you know she is beautiful, no matter what they say. You know, no, words can't bring her down, okay? Not mine. <laughs> um. So the other thing that I meant to talk about last episode that I forgot, completely forgot about, were my thoughts on last season's reunion. Now, I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, Kara, that happened so long ago, but it was really on my spirit of, oh man, the um, McGee's that shocking it wasn't shocking it was not shocking it was shocking to um homegirl the wife but uh, shocking to really yeah nobody but her what is her name I keep wanting to call her Tiffany hold on Paige Paige um, gets the not so shocking news that her man had lied to her and and that brandy the woman that they brought in to be a potential sister wife just let the chopper spray at that reunion at that tell-all and said you know what even though you guys had some sort of boundary and rule about um bernie and i not kissing not only did he (laughs) kiss me at the next door neighbor in the next door neighbor's backyard for some reason he also tried to bend me over a chair And hop to it. Now, Bernie was giving his best, uh, you know, like, almost like a Taylor Swiftian level of, like, what? I'm so shocked. I don't know what you're talking about. Boy. Listen, I know that Bernie has now passed. May he rest. But that was just incredible, incredible. What a great moment of him like having to pretend like he didn't try to bust Brandy wide open and his neighbor's back it's the neighbor's backyard for me. <laughs> Why were they back there? <laughs> um that was wild. Was there anything else really happening? Um, you know, I tried to look up if there were any updates in terms of the Snowdens and the allegations against or not against Crystalline, from Crystalline against the Snowdens. Didn't really see much. I did see a couple of whispers about how, you know, Vanessa, you know, probably had to keep it cute regarding her breakup with the family and how she had been low key liking Instagram comments about how she was under contract. So she couldn't really say much, but, you know, um, to basically she was supporting comments that were saying, you know, don't hold her responsible for what, is happening now she shouldn't have to speak out against this in the wake of these allegations and you never know what she's gone through and what she had to deal with and things like that so there might be a little something there that maybe this is not the first time that Dimitri and Ashley have been gone over the lines in terms of aggression and abuse towards potential sister wives, you know, we'll have to stay tuned and see what happens from there. Um, you know, I think, (laughs) um, TLC clearly has bigger fish to fry in terms of, um, Uh, cast members or former cast members on the network. Uh, so who knows if the Snowdens will be able to fly under the radar because Josh Duggar is just like a perpetual pervert. So we'll see. I'm surprised that nothing has been said and I'm interested in seeing what is going to happen with all of that. Uh, so let's move on to the show. This was a, a, you know, what I would call, like, a quiet episode. There wasn't too much, but, again, there was a lot, but not, like, super exciting like the the previous episodes have been this season. So we're going to start off with the Minions and see what's happening with them. Now, a lot of what we see in these episodes were the, um you know, on-screen explanation that COVID happened in their respective states. And because of that, filming had to shut down. So that happened for them. They live in North Carolina. It also happened for the Winders in Utah. And it also happened for the Snowdens. And I think everybody, with the exception of Joel Osteen and Danielle, had to deal with COVID this episode. So it seems like there were a few months that had passed since the minions were able to film and they're back. And they said, you know, they've been adjusting all the changes. Vanessa still has to go to work. Um, King Minion is at home because he is a multi-hyphenate, if you will. He's a high school teacher. He's a coach. He's a personal trainer. So they have four kids. He's been really at home with the kids. Vanessa's been off to work. And Vanessa uses the term daddy daycare when she walks in from work one day in one particular scene. And I just hate that. Like, it's not a daycare. You wouldn't be calling it mommy daycare if you were at home. You would be calling it being a mother. He is the dad. This is him caring for his children. I i hate that i hate the concept of like a dad babysitting for his own children like please let's stop that please um yeah so basically the producer um asks them as they're sitting down king minion and vanessa and they say okay well, what's going on with kayla so essentially they say they try to keep it cute And they say, you know, the pandemic has really changed our relationship and it's kind of made made things worse between us. And um, King Minion says that the last time that he saw her apparently was the last time that we saw her on TV, which was when they had that, like, really awkward kind of godfather-like kiss of we're going to get back together, but there's clearly a lot of tension and um anger between us and the hug was just very hostile it was really uncomfortable for me but that's the last time he saw her and you know they agreed to continue to work on their relationship and um here's what happened the pandemic happened she was living with her friends prior to the pandemic Everything shut down. They invited her to move back into the home. She decided not to because they have four kids and Kayla still wanted to continue to work and her job was very customer service based. So they just thought it was just too high of a risk when they have all those kids in the house. So um, then we see a little clip of King Minion recording himself trying to call Kayla but it goes straight to voicemail and he says, you know, she told me to call around this time. But I'm not going to even leave a message because her mailbox is full and she didn't answer. So then they went from she's not living in the house, but we're going to try to maintain a relationship to we're going to work on giving her a little space to Vanessa and King Minion filming a scene by themselves in which uh, they say that they had a conversation with Kayla and they decided to end their relationship for now. Uh, For. But okay, um, this, I, I mean, I'm not gonna say that I'm glad the pandemic happened, but I'm glad that there was, like, a specific reason that she could not stay in the house and that was able to give her the freedom to just cut bait on this family. And not, I shouldn't even say this family, I should just say that little round-headed bald bitch king minion, because the way Vanessa reacts to... Kayla being gone versus (sighs) that man is completely different. I almost feel sorry for her because it seems like they really had a connection. When we did see Kayla and Vanessa communicate, it was always from a place of love and respect, not like what King Minion gave to Kayla. And it does seem like she really misses her and misses that relationship and friendship that they had. King Minion (laughs) I'm just, like, a little surprised that he is a teacher. Because Kayla is practically a teenager herself. <laughs> like, she is in her... I mean, I think he they met when she was, like, 22 or something. Maybe 23. Um, it just seems like he has such a detached view and opinion on what she's going through. It, it seems... Okay, here's what he says. He's basically saying that, you know, she wanted to spread her wings and she wanted to figure herself out. But I didn't know why, I didn't understand why she couldn't do that while living with us. And it's like, well, it's because you didn't want her to work. And you just wanted her to be a nanny slash housewife. And that's why she, that's why it didn't work. Because you were tamping every instinct she had to like learn and grow how could she do that like clearly she could not do that under the rules and constraints and regulations that you put on her that is obvious um so uh, he just really he's so annoying um clearly <laughs> This was the funniest part for me. Clearly Kayla didn't want to do any sort of interview for the show or like even have a conversation with production and explain her side of the situation. So what we got was this is like grainy big pixelated footage of Kayla um, on a phone where I guess they had maybe recorded conversations that they had and It was just very weird and they kept playing this like (laughs) sad music and it was as though she died because they kept playing the same short clips over and over and it's like, first of all, this isn't even, this is like 240 pixelated quality footage and it was just very strange. It was like, we found her phone from the accident. And this is what we found like Kayla in happier times when she was alive. They really made it seem like she died. It was weird. (laughs) It was a very strange uh, decision on, on editor's part. So, yeah, I mean, again, King Minion is incredibly selfish, and he did not want her. He wanted a a help. He wanted hired help, but he didn't want to pay her. Let's be real. And he wanted, like, a young thing to, you know, put his little Minion, you know, inside. So, fuck him. I really was hoping that this would be the end of them forever, but during the preview trying to court another woman next week it appears so prayers up for this lady let's move on to sophie and tammy and i have to say like i really fuck with tammy there's some i like her energy and for some reason she looked younger this episode than the entirety of the time that she's been on the show which is very interesting and i'm not sure why that is is it because maybe she went a little bit more gentle on that eye pencil eyebrow pencil i don't know Mm, It was something. She looked better. She looked better. I will say that. Um, So like I said, because of COVID, we're on like sitcom rules in terms of the baby. Last week, Ephraim was born. And now this episode, he's three months old. And they say they really had to adjust to the fact that Sophie has a newborn in terms of... Well, not in terms of Colton alternating between the wives evenly. It seems like Sophie's been just like every other day, a single mother. But it has changed in terms of they're kind of vague about what happened. But Sophie alludes to the fact that she had like a hard time transitioning postpartum. But then there were also some hints that maybe something happened or something was going on with Ephraim. And so that was like a lot on the family. You know, long story short, it appears as though Tammy was taking care of the entire family while Sophie figured this out and while Colton, I don't know, whispered and played banjo. I I really don't understand what he does. I mean, he works, but Tammy says that she works too, so I'm just very confused. It seems like Tammy had been a single mother (laughs) um, for a couple months. So, you know, in a very Mormon Christian Um, speak softly, always be sweet kind of way, they explain that it seems like Tammy had a freak out. And it was basically like, I can't be taking care of this entire family on my own. I can't do it. So she says she went to Sophie's room one day and explained to her, you know, what she was feeling. And Sophie was like, yeah, I totally agree. Like, you are doing everything. And then Colton came home and they told them. They told him what they had talked about, and he also agreed. So I'm like, damn, Tammy, if you had not spoken up for yourself and how you were feeling, would they have just all continued to let you do all of the work? Because that's kind of what it sounds like. <laughs> it's kind of what it sounds like. I, um, I don't know, girl, but good on you for saying something, because you'd probably be doing the cooking and cooking and cleaning all by yourself if it weren't for you speaking up for yourself. So, things seems to have been better. So what we see next is Sophie and Tammy um cooking Cajun chick, well, cooking what she calls Cajun chicken alfredo for Colton's birthday. So, Listen, you guys, we all know the stereotypes when it comes to uh um, uh, white people, Caucasians having a really hard time, um, you know, wanting to season things, particularly when it comes to chicken seems to be something that they're averse to. I don't know why they don't enjoy flavor and I'm not, you know, going to call all of you guys out, but if you're offended by this, you know, you know what they say about hit dogs hollering. Okay. Just, so I, had to, I'm like, okay, she called us Cajun. And I, as somebody who has never been to New Orleans but lived in the South for most of my life, I have an understanding of what Cajun means. It definitely means something that is very heavy on the spices. That I know for sure. So I, you know, rewound and went back and just like trying to do some research and googling like or not googling but like you know really taking a look at the scene and and keeping my eyes akimbo as to what spices may have been involved in this chicken but first of all so Timmy let Sophie cook the chicken and it seemed like Sophie had never cooked chicken in her life it one at one point she asked Sophie if the chicken should be boiling, despite the fact that there was no liquid in that pan. They were grilling the chicken. Um, secondly, I only saw a little thing of Old Bay seasoning on the counter. Now, granted, there are, are a good amount of spices in an Old Bay seasoning uh, little carton or whatever you call it. Um, uh Okay, okay. I'm going to give y'all a pass on that. Because it did seem like the cooking, the chicken was well cooked. It was thoroughly cooked. It was browned in a way that I found, you know, uh, refreshing. And there did appear to be flecks of seasoning throughout every bit of that chicken. So, ooh, that's a lot of relief for me. Um, so the question that I had is, as Tammy is supervising Sophie cooking the chicken she also is working on another pan pot rather and she's putting what looks to be sparkling lemonade in whatever it is that she's making like I think she was working on the pasta so she was handling like one of those you know cup measuring cups and it was a glass bottle like a Pellegrino bottle it wasn't like a, those squeeze bottles of lemon juice that you can get at the grocery store. It was a big like a thirty two ounce bottle and it had a lemon on the label. and i I just have why why Could, Did she improvise? It really seemed like sparkling lemonade. It really did, and I would encourage you guys to all look that back. Maybe this is a product that I don't know, but I've never seen a a thing of lemon in a glass bottle, like a big-ass glass bottle like that. I have a lot of questions. So, you had me at the chicken, but you lost me at the sparkling lemonade in the pasta. In the... Okay. Um, So... That, deeply concerned you guys deeply concerned so colton walks in like i said this dinner is for their for his birthday his 33rd birthday which was shocking to me um because colton seems like he's 15 and 48 at the same time you know what i mean <laughs> like i really can't make heads or tails of how old this man was 33 would not have been my guest i'll, I'll tell you that for sure um so he walks in and he's like, "Oh, so what are you what are you guys making here? What what is this what is this for me?" And she also Tammy also made an angel food cake. And truly like Colton is definitely the guy whose favorite cake is angel food. Right? Like we all see that, right? They also had a can of like very cherry, which I think was like cherries and syrup or something. You know, you guys, this is Utah. I you know You guys can only work with what you got, right? So (laughs) I'm going to pass on the canned cherries and angel food cake, but he loved it. He, I mean, he had to explain that he loved it because his face is almost like on a real housewives of orange County level in that, like you don't really know what he's feeling by looking at him. Now for them, it's because of all the Botox and filler, but for him, it's because I, honestly, I don't know why, but he at least recognized it. You know, he at least recognized, I know I don't make, uh, you know, the normal facial, facial expressions of a, a human that emotes and has a full range of emotions, but I do feel things and I actually am very excited about this Cajun chicken Alfredo with uh, no sauce. I guess we're solely relying on that sparkling lemonade and the angel food cake. He said he was very excited. Sophie even did an impression of, like, here's his face when he's excited, and here's Colton's face when he feels anything else at all. And it was the exact same face. And he was like, you know what? You're right. That was um, good, good Mormon, good old-fashioned Mormon roasting. (laughs) So they all sit down for dinner, and they have a conversation about Kimberly, the woman that they were going to have visit Before Sophie gave birth, but they postponed the uh, trip because of COVID. Sophie and Tammy both seem on board about having, you know, or at least having a conversation about Kimberly coming back because the baby's been born. Things are settling a little bit back like they used to. They're in a routine and things seem right on track. Colton kind of disagrees with them. He says... Honestly, it seems like a crazy time in our lives right now. Also, I just haven't really felt a spark with Kimberly. So he is very hesitant. And Colton, not Colton, but Tammy says, you know, you can't really expect to have a spark over the phone and over these video chats. It's really something that you're going to have to feel in person. And Colton says, he kind of like reluctantly agrees and he's like, well, maybe you're right. I, you know, we are, are all on the same page in terms of, um, you know, that this is not all our family is going to have in terms of sister wives. We want to expand and, and have somebody else in the family. So, you know, it's not really about what we want and what I want. It's really what God wants for our family. Now I would say, that God probably wants you to be with a woman that you're attracted to or and feel a spark with. And I feel like if Colton... Colton seems like a guy who doesn't mince words. And I feel like... I mean, he has to because he doesn't have any sort of facial expression, but I feel like he was trying to tell them, like, I'm not really feeling it. And I think you can feel some kind of spark over the phone, like something should lead you to believe that this is going to be a good fit for you. And if he's saying that he's not feeling anything, he should at least feel like a baseline of attraction to her. And if it's not happening, I don't think meeting her is really going to make a big difference between that. But you know what? That's between y'all and God. Uh, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't seem into it. So the final scene that we see with them is really just Colton and Tammy having a discussion about her fertility issues. So we found out the unfortunate news that, you know, Tammy's been on some sort of medication for the past year or so in order to help with her fertility. Tammy has said in this episode and other episodes that she doesn't have a problem getting pregnant. It's the staying pregnant. So They talk about a situation in which a couple weeks after Ephraim came home, Tammy had a positive pregnancy test, but then a week after that she miscarried. And they're basically just having a conversation about communication. Tammy tells Colton that she told Sophie first about her positive pregnancy test and how she didn't know if she should tell Colton about it. And Sophie said, Do what you want, but I encourage you to tell him. And Colton says in an interview, I know that Tammy doesn't want to tell me every time she gets pregnant because she thinks I'll be disappointed, but I don't want her to shield me from the pain. Like, yes, it is disappointing and it's sad, but it's not something that she should have to go through on her own. And I thought that was really nice of him to say. I really did. One thing that Tammy said, however, was confusing to me. Because she's talking about how she had been trying to have... Trying to get pregnant for the past three years ago or so. Maybe two to three years, right? And she tells Colton that in her mind she had the idea that she would want five kids three years apart. And then she says, I thought, and I imagined myself being done having kids by the age of 30. So maybe I'm stupid, but five kids times three years apart would be 15 years total, right? She's already well into her 20s, so wouldn't she have to be starting at 15, to be done by 30, right? Maybe she meant 40? I'm, I'm just very confused as to what the math was there. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to let her cook and let's just move on. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. Work. All right, let's move on to the Snowdens. So we're now a day after Taylor told them that she wanted to stay with them slash, probably oh, I needed to stay because she don't have anywhere else. But anyway, she said that prior to visiting the Snowdens, she wasn't sure that polygamy would be as good as they made it seem. But in the four days that she's been there, it's clear to her that they have a solid bond. So she's excited to be a potential third sister wife or second sister wife. She said third. Anyway, um, so then we see Dimitri and Ashley in bed and does Ashley wear her bindi to sleep? Do we, is that, does she not have a nighttime routine? Does, is it part of the nighttime routine? Does she have like a nighttime bendy? Maybe that's what I'm looking at. I'm also a little bit surprised at how basic their bedding is because uh, not only did Taylor only have a blanket. And not, like, a duvet cover or anything like that. Neither did Ashley or Dimitri. Just, just a basic brown, beige blanket. It just seemed like... Don't they seem like they would have found, like, some kind of, like bedding with Anks on it or like a mandala or something like that right it just seems like there would be something a lot more elaborate now there have been a lot of rumors that i saw that said that dimitri and ashley i guess y'all were like really doing your googles and um, trying to figure out where they lived and somebody had found that their address was attached to a one-bedroom apartment somewhere in la but and they were assuming that production had been giving them the coin to rent this place. I don't know. I just have a lot of questions. A lot of questions and mostly about the bindi, but I'll work my way out from there. Um so they're in bed and they're talking like how they didn't really get much sleep the night before because of all the uh you know, excitement, if you will, about Uh, The bomb that Taylor dropped about them, about how she basically wasn't going to be leaving. I would, I just wish that we had like an alternate universe in which they said no, you know, (laughs) or they said, you know, let's something that we we really like you, but we want to revisit this or, you know, we want to take some time. Like, I really would have loved to see what Taylor's reaction was at that point, because I feel like, I don't know, would she have gone with tears or would she have gotten mad that's just something that I think we, as viewers, deserve to have gotten our eyes on, you know, and I'm sad that we didn't um but they said you know, even though it seems like everything happened so fast, they're excited, and Ashley says it's intense and exciting all at the same time, and then she says. The biggest thing for her was to see how Taylor interacted with the kids. But she's been really great with them. Again, we have seen these kids for years now who have no sense of stranger danger or inhibitions or boundaries or whatever. And again, that's not on the children. That's solely responsible. That's the responsibility of their parents. So I don't see a world in which those children don't get along with anybody because they're ready to climb any adult that climbs that walks into their house like a tree. Ashley does also say that there are a lot of other aspects of the relationship between the three of them that they have yet to uncover and they need to figure out. And Dimitri says, you know, the only way that we're going to understand if we're going to make it is to, you know, be in the sauce, so to speak. And they're like, okay, so are we choosing Taylor? And Dimitri says yes. So they're all in. We're all, all in. So then we go back to Taylor and she says, you know, now that I've made the choice to stay, <laughs> uh, now that I've scammed these people into staying at their home, um, she has to tell her mom. Apparently she and her mom are very close. She respects her opinion. So she FaceTimes with her mom to tell her exactly what's going on. And, this is why I love black women. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, there is like a certain way that we communicate, like unspoken communication or even sometimes spoken like we can do probably 15 versions of mm, you know that noise like mmm Mm -mm -mm. those all mean very different things and in this moment i was just so happy that for facetime shout out to you steve jobs um i was so grateful for this moment to see how taylor's mom reacted to this whole situation and it just was so telling because she said nothing in a couple of moments but she also said so much so Taylor starts off by saying, "Oh, you know how I told you that I was going to be staying with the Snowdens, but um you know, she's like, I think my mom took that as a joke. So I'm kind of nervous about telling her that I've made an even bigger a commitment to them." So she's talks to her mom. She starts off the conversation It's like, "Oh, you know how I told you that I was dating the Snowdens and we get what is just like her mom like it's just a weary long blank pause of a face of like girl where are you going with this? I'm already tired and I don't like what you're about to say to me even though I don't know what you're gonna say so Taylor tells her mom I've decided to stay, and I just want to know what your thoughts are on that and her mom says stay for like how long and Taylor says well the goal is forever And we get another stare. (laughs) She says, you know, her mom says, you know, I'm not really over the moon about this whole thing. And I'm kind of hoping you're just in a phase right now. And Taylor says, look, I understand that you did not picture me being a polygamist, but you know that I wanted a family. You know, I wanted kids and this is my family now. And her mom says, why does your family have to include a sister wife? Like, I don't understand how you're sharing a man. He's got wife options, but your only option is him. So when a confessional, Taylor says, listen, I know that my mom doesn't approve of this, but I hope that I can get she can get some clarity and understand why I've chosen to be with the Snowdens, but you have not explained at all <laughs> why you feel like you're called to be with these people. So, I don't know how you expect her to find clarity, like, you can paint several bendies on your mom's forehead and I still don't really think that's going to be opening her third eye on this whole situation. Because her two eyes were closed when you were telling her. <laughs> the first two were closed. I'm not even sure the third eye is going to exist. Not for this one. Not for this moment. Um. So then her mom says, you know, I can't just say okay to this and give you a gold star, you know? I I can't do that. That was the end of our our moment with her mother, and I hope we get several more. (sighs) Here's another thing that I find very strange about the Snowdens. So the last episode of season two was really essentially like a commitment ceremony slash marriage special all about the Snowdens. We didn't see anybody else. The very strangest thing is that they're bringing... All part of the episode is that they were bringing all the moms together. So Vanessa's mom, Ashley's mom, Dimitri's mom. I think it was Dimitri's mom that came first. It doesn't matter what order they came in. But Ashley, at one point, says they had been together. She and Dimitri had been together for nine years. This is only the second time that she's met Dimitri's mom. Excuse me. The second, it seems like there's a very weird issue going on with Dimitri's parents and his family at a whole because his sister popped off at that wedding at one point, And it seemed like they, her sister felt like she had been duped. It seemed as though Dimitri had his family come out under the, and they were under the impression that they were going to be able to spend time with Dimitri, AKA like come together as a family and kind of restore whatever sort of estrangement was going to happen or had happened between them. But Dimitri and Ashley kind of like whitewash the whole situation. They're like, Oh, you know, like, you know, they thought we were going to be having a lot of time with them. But you know, when you have a wedding and you're in all of that, celebration mode it's like you just don't have all the time to spend with everybody which is fair and true like we all know at weddings the bride and the groom are spread most thin half the time they don't get to eat you know and they're over there having to talk to everybody but it just seems like dimitri may have painted to his family that this was going to be like let's all come to the red table and heal and rejoin and regroup. And that didn't happen because of cameras. And the sister really popped off, really popped off. She was like, do we have to talk with these cameras in my face? Like get them away from me, blah, blah, blah. She's screaming, give me a, give me a flight. I want a flight back to wherever she lives. And it was very strange. And it, Obviously, if Ashley had never had only had eyes on Dimitri's mom twice in nine years, then obviously Ashley's mom and Dimitri's mom didn't know each other. It almost seemed like they had more interaction with Vanessa's mom than their parents. I'm just really confused. About what's happening. Like, not that it's weird for family to be estranged. Like, that's a very common situation. But they try to paint it as though, like, it's normal. And that their family is, like... Like, the reason why they haven't spoken is just like, oh, you know. That's life. But clearly there's something darker behind that. And I just... I think that's very telling about Dimitri and Ashley I had my friend watch the show start watching the show and she's not a reality TV person like you guys would be shocked like I have close friends that I have met through my love of pop culture and reality TV shows but most of like my oldest close friends don't know what like I have friends who like do not know what 90 Day Fiance is right like no idea (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they don't watch reality TV. This is not their life. That's not how they choose to spend their time. So I had one of those friends watch, start walking, watching Seeking, Seeking Sister Wife and she was like, mm, something is weird about the Snowdens. So, like, I just don't like them. And we are having this conversation about how Ashley and Dimitri are very, like, telegenic and the way that they communicate with one another seems very much like two fictional characters like they're just very affable and charismatic in a way that seems unsustainable and that's another part of like why i don't really believe in their like uh woo woo sage uh you know yoni steam box lifestyle like i this is, it, there's just something very off about them. And even without these allegations from Crystalline, I just, you know, my third eye is side-eyeing the fuck out of them, for sure. Anyway, um, so what happens after this? Okay, so uh, the next thing we see is a screen that says that Chrissy and the Snowdens, Kristaline from South Africa and her two children decided that she and her two daughters should expedite their next visit. So they wouldn't risk being apart for months or potentially longer because of COVID. So 10 days later, Chrissy and her two kids got on the plane and this was, they got like right under the wire. This happened just as all international incoming flights to the U S were banned. So I was wondering how it was that Chrissy and kids were able to stay in the country for so long. So for those of you who are curious, I, I looked up like the CDC visa requirements, like several government websites to figure out what, ha- what the rules are. So in South Africa, you can come to America on a V1, uh, not a V1, a uh, tourist visa. And that allows you to stay in America for up to six months. And at that point you can choose to renew. But I didn't get clarity because I'm wondering if it's kind of like Jenny and Sue meet where Jenny says, you know, she could stay for six months or however long, but then she had to go back to America and then reapply to go back to India. Um, it does say that you could, you could reapply after every six months and apply for, you know, another six months. Um, so if there, I have to imagine that this was probably filmed February of 2020 at the latest, I would think, um, maybe early March. I'm not sure. Maybe even, I don't know, because I I have like kind of a weird opinion because I'm in like New York COVID mode where everything was happening a lot sooner than other places in the country. So I'm assuming I mean, there's no way this could have happened after March. March at the very latest, right? So, they, um, so Chrissy and her two kids were able to get to South, to America from South Africa. Um, oh, and also it's worth mentioning that their visa process is a lot quicker. I think they said that it took, it could take 15 days at the max to get from like application to approval. Not, That long at all. Certainly not what we're led to believe with the 90-day process. where, And the K-1 visa where it could be months and months at a time before it happens. Like, it's a very quick thing. Um, So that is what I'm assuming they applied for on a tourist visa. So, okay. At this point, Taylor's been staying with them for about two weeks. So it seems like everything kind of piled up and happened all at once. Ashley describes... Chrissy and her kids coming to the house as an extended visit and not a move-in, which I thought was interesting. Um... Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. So like I said, if this happened, let's just say that they came in February. The abuse claims that uh, Crystalline had been alleging happened in January of 2020. So I'm assuming because of the pandemic, maybe they just... Maybe the the like consulate or the tourism board or whatever, we're just like you can just stay here. Like we don't want you traveling back and forth, especially when you have kids. I, who's to say? I don't know, but. Uh, so yeah this is a quote extended visit and not a move in situation so Dimitri comes and goes to the airport and picks up Chrissy and blah 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 and Taylor is Taylor's almost like the adult version of Ashley and Dimitri's kids where she just latches on very quickly like we know that Chrissy and Taylor had their own relationship and communication outside of like what was happening with the Snowdens they have their own friendship and Um, she's like, you know, everybody keeps asking me if I think it's going to be weird to meet Chrissy, but I just feel like I already know her and I just, all I need to do is hug her and to like, make it be like a, a more real life situation. Um, so also remember that Chrissy's family did not know anything about her interest in polygamy or anything like that. So they're all sitting down or having drinks rather and, Dimitri is like oh did you tell your parents about your polygamy and it's like do you think that it was realistic for her to just leave the country in the middle like at the very beginning of a global pandemic and not tell them why she was going to America and taking her children for months (laughs) of course she told them (laughs) this is why I'm like I think it's weird that like he doesn't even have he doesn't even think that it would not be weird to tell your family that Of course she told them. But anyway, she's like, yeah, I told them everything. They were definitely shocked, but they were supportive. So that was good for her. She's like, you know, of course they want me to stay in South Africa and the kids. But, you know, this is my life and I'm going to do it. So then Ashley is like, okay, let me give you a tour of the house and where the kids are going to be staying. And she does say when they walk into this room... This is where all the kids will be, so the Snowdens have three kids, Chrissy has two, so that's five. And what I saw when I walked when they walked into that room was two twin beds so okay, not not a bunk bed to be found okay, okay, um. I, uh, I just have very, oh, oh. (laughs) so it only seems like now reality has set in for all of the adults and they're talking about how, you know, there are going to be five kids, three wives, one husband in a house, and they're all just concerned about the dynamics. Not one of them really mentioned the financial aspect of this, like, is the only one with a job. He explained to Taylor that what he can provide is good dick and to pay your bills. So it seems like he is definitely financially responsible for all of these people now. On top of that, I mean, they don't know this, but we all know what's happening with the pandemic. It feels like even with their uh, money from the show, And whatever money makes, whatever money Dimitri makes from his job, that still feels like going from a family of four to, is that right? No, five. (laughs) It's too many people. Five to basically, what? She's got three, four. So you're going from five people to nine people. That's going to be a stretch for most people. And I just don't understand how that's going to happen. But according to the preview, it doesn't seem like it's working out very well. And it seems like maybe next week is going to be like Crystalline and Taylor versus the world. And I'm excited to see all of that. All right, you guys, let's end on sad Danielle, Joel Osteen, and Roberta. So Danielle, of course, is still alone physically this time and not just emotionally and garrick and roberta are still continuing their whirlwind love affair and like clear see-through boats and i don't know he's probably banging her behind some i don't know coconut tree or a palm tree that's that's what it's called or uh, you know in a bathroom or something trying to get that old love and feeling back from when he banged her out while uh danielle was getting her pajamas on speaking of which um, we see Danielle on a balcony, she's writing in her diary, and I'm kind of hoping that she's writing a, you know, like, a sort of, uh, you know, uh, in case I go missing sort of letter, because she should be, you know, always, always be alert shouldn't we so she's still feeling some type of way about Roberta telling her that she had a quickie with Joel and how Roberta wasn't being honest about the intimacy being more important to her and you guys know that I really feel for and sympathize with Danielle a lot but I don't understand why she continues to make this all Roberta's fault like it's if Roberta had told her the whole truth which was that she was screaming oh no sister be back while you know he was smashing her cakes to smithereens maybe she would feel differently but you know i guess she's working with the limited amount of information that she has but danielle says she's not upset about the fact that they were intimate because she did expect that but she just thought that they were making the choice to sacrifice that time of being together to include her okay Frankly, the fact that Roberta is the one who told her and not her own damn husband should be enough to make her mad at Joel and not Roberta, but again, okay. So Joel and Roberta go to Danielle's room just so tired and and love struck and Roberta says she's you know, just feeling a little you know, unbiquito cansada, okay? And she is going to give them time to talk. So they're alone. By that I mean Danielle and Joel. And he just seemed really uncomfortable. Like, he acts as though he's never met Danielle. Or, like, he knew that he was in trouble. And he knew that this was going to happen. But Danielle sits on the bed and he's kind of standing in front of her like, Hey, Danielle. Nice nice to see you again. And she's like, sit down, please. We're going to have a conversation, please. Like, grabbing his hand and actually pulling him down on the bed so that he'll sit and he's just being polite to her in a way that would not really indicate that they've been married or you know unmarried or at least known each other for all these years so Danielle tells Joel that she was feeling a lot of jealousy the night before when Roberta told the truth about them you know (laughs) banging it out and she was disappointed because she says you know I was under the impression that Roberta Wanted our first night to be all about family. No, Roberta felt bad for you. And she knew she wasn't going to be able to, uh, for lack of a better term, like, get wet. (laughs) When she knew that the only wet that you were getting was the tears streaming down your face. So, um, that's why she invited you. It was a guilt, pity invitation, Uh, Danielle. I don't understand why you don't see that... (sighs) I don't get it, but okay. So then she tells Joel, you know, I know that you know I had some feelings that maybe... Excuse me, sorry. Joel tells Danielle that I know that you had some feelings that maybe Roberta didn't value you, but she told me that she cares about you so much that she's willing to end the relationship with me for your sake if you're not happy. So then Danielle starts to get emotional, and she's like, God, that's pretty unreal to see how much... She loves me, and it does start to take away some of my doubts. And then they both start crying, but to me they're crying about two different things. Like, Danielle's crying because somebody actually cares about her. <laughs> and Joel's crying because he might lose his one true love. He, he's worried about what might be at stake. He is not crying a single, not even a, not even a little particle of those tears that he's crying have to do with him feeling bad about this situation it is all about what he might lose if Danielle doesn't get it together he like he does nothing to try to reassure reassure her but anyway in a talking head Danielle says you know I knew Roberta had a compassionate heart but what I didn't know is that she felt that deeply and honestly like I'm not sure that Roberta does feel that deeply I think she probably doesn't want to move to a foreign country and move in with a woman who's constantly crying because she fucked her man. I mean, Roberta is a nice person, but let's be real here. (laughs) Let's be honest, you guys. So then Danielle looks into Joel's eyes and is like pleading eyes and says, you know, I just want to know that I'm enough for you. I mean, If you're fine with, like, polygamy or polyamory or non-monogamy, fine. But you can't say, in my mind, that one person is enough for you while you're actively courting and seeking out and marrying and having relationships with other people. I mean, sorry, but obviously one person isn't enough for you if you're trying to marry other people (laughs) that's really just the God's honest truth right like am I missing something about that so then Joel Osteen gives like the weakest like oh yeah you are enough for me no she's not (laughs) then he says you know God put us together and it's been one of the biggest blessings of my entire life and you should always be confident in my love for you I'm not confident in your love for Danielle. Nobody in America who watches a show is confident in your love for Danielle. And you could make the argument, but that that is like between them two, but not really when you're mic'd up, you know, (laughs) we all see it and we're not seeing shit about your love for Danielle. Um, So they both say they love each other. And Danielle says, so is it my turn for a quickie? And Joel says, "Oh my gosh," (laughs) and the laugh that he emits is just like so uncomfortable. Like, please don't make me have sex with you right now. I don't want to do it. You know, (laughs) it's the laugh that a woman emits when a guy on the street tells her to smile. Like, no, you know, it's the laugh of a non-laugh. The laugh of a get me out of this situation immediately. So we end the episode with the three of them having one last dinner before they all go home. Roberta thanks Danielle for going through with the divorce and giving her the opportunity to come to America. And then Roberta says, you know, I just want you to know that your divorce is just the signing of a paper and it will never change how your husband feels about you. She's absolutely right, because regardless of whether or not they stayed married, is still hates Danielle. Um, Anyway, so... Then they start talking about the visa process. Joel starts talking about the visa process and, you know, how God's strength is going to help them along the way while they wait for everything to get cleared. And then Roberta, everybody gets up from the table and first Roberta and Danielle hug and Danielle kisses her seven times, seven, seven. And see, this is why I say every episode, horny vibes. Hashtag horny vibes, okay? Seven? Okay. I mean, she's kissing her because probably this is the first time she's kissed somebody who actually has displayed some sort of, like, concern or care for her well-being and feelings. So maybe she was just overwhelmed in the moment, but didn't make it any less horny for me, okay? Um, so then, the episode ends with Garrett doing an interview outside and he's talking to production about how hard it's gonna be to leave Roberta and you know just I I miss her I'm gonna miss her and so clearly like Danielle and Roberta are nearby just like on the other side of the cameras but they're very close and so they go in front of the cameras and they all like hug and Danielle's rubbing Joel's head and he's like I miss Bert she's like Okay, first of all, she's right there. Like, I understand what you're saying, but, like, literally, she's still there. Um. Secondly, like, I'll be damned. <laughs> even if I was okay, even if Danielle was, like, totally chill this whole time, like, have to comfort your husband who is crying about the fact that he's leaving his new fiance. Like, you're really pushing it, dog. Like, I shouldn't have to do this. I should not have to do this. And so Danielle, they interviewed Danielle and she's like, who just came from comforting her husband over missing his new real wife, who he actually loves and says, you know, I do feel bad for Joel uh, and Roberta, but, you know, there's a part of me that hopes that when we go back home, that he'll still be happy with us in Colorado and I wonder if Roberta and Joel were sitting behind or standing behind the cameras when she said that, like Roberta and Danielle were standing behind the cameras when, uh, Joel had a complete emotional breakdown. Mm. Anyway, you guys, I'll be back next week with another episode a recap of Seeking Sister Wife. Um, I think next week is going to be like a pretty juicy episode. So I'm looking forward to it. All right, you guys, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking.